0: light hold it up there so you can see and I uh, will do the best we can to try to follow along in our uh, text this evening uh, a couple of weeks ago I I went to get a haircut and I uh, went to a new barber and uh, as I was getting into the chair I was the first customer uh, for this for this guy and man he was one of the nicest barbers I'd ever met, I have ever met. And so uh, he just started talking. Matter of fact, he would take like two or three minutes between cutting my hair, we'd step away, and he would just start talking to me. And he, we would just have a conversation. I found out it was right after Thanksgiving, and I found out about his family, what his Thanksgiving was like, his kids, and all of those things. Just kind of found out who he was, and he asked me questions about who I was. And so after, after about time he's finally done, and I'm getting up out of the chair, and he goes, man, i got to tell you this story. He said, he said, I go outside of my house, and I look up, and there's this UFO. Now, that was a serious sideways turn. Because our conversation had talked about family. We had talked about everything normal in life. Where he lived, where he was from, how he grew up, uh, just from, everything. And all of a sudden... Up, he uh, told me everything. about. Things. He always, always died. A few weeks ago, uh, told, told me everything. about. He he always always <laughs> UFO, and he went on to describe what he saw in the sky, and then he tried to convince me that it was true. Well, I don't know about you. I don't know what you think about UFOs, but I'm rather skep- skeptical. I'm skeptical of of whether or not they exist, of aliens or anything else that are out there. I'm skeptical. I was skeptical. He's like, you act like you don't believe me. I was like. I believe you saw what you saw, I'm just not sure that what you saw was what what is actually true, right? And I can imagine uh, that there are some in this room, maybe you're like me, you're skeptical of UFOs, I'm, I'm rather skeptical that there's alien life out there, I don't know, but some of you in this room have been or are probably just as skeptical towards the idea of Christianity, the idea of Jesus. I mean, if you think about it, I grew up in a church. So it's kind of what I've heard forever. Like uh, it's, this is, I've celebrated Christmas for the last, uh, this will be my 49th Christmas. All 49 of my Christmases have been in the church. But I can imagine that for some of you in this room who did not grow up in that context, the idea of Christianity probably seems somewhat foreign. Probably seems somewhat like ludicrous. That you, you're probably a skeptic towards the idea that Jesus is born in a manger in in Bethlehem, a little town called Bethlehem, and that this Jesus was foretold way before He ever came, and then He he died on a cross that we were just singing about, and I'm just not sure what that means or if it's true or even if it's the idea uh, is the concept of reality. I can imagine that's a difficult hump to get out of. I mean, even the Bible speaks to itself in this regard because it says for those who do not believe, actually the idea of Jesus is foolish. It's foolish. Outside of the Spirit's work in your heart, outside of the idea of the Spirit doing its work in you, the raw in you, to change you, to bring about a transformation that that is actually foolish. And so my hope for you this evening is that for those of you that are skeptics or critics of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in our passage today, that you will see it as true and real as much, even as much as we are sitting in this room this evening. That you will see the reality of Jesus as foretold uh, by God Himself in Genesis chapter 3, that He would send someone that is a seed of the woman Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, way back in the beginning of creation, that this promised Messiah, this anointed one, this Savior that would come, is actually true and real. And that it, it will change your mind about who Jesus is. For those of you that are Christians here, I pray that you would, you would understand, you would, even more apologetically, you would have an understanding of who Jesus is and be grounded in the Word and the most holy faith uh, this evening. And so as we think about Isaiah 9, verse 6, is the high point of our passage as it points us to the passages we have already been reading that Daniel and Leslie have read for us. Verse six, for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given. Now, for you and me that read this, we go, well, what does that mean? Like we read if we're reading the Bible for the first time and we get to this in Isaiah, we're going, well, what child is this? What does it mean that a son is born? that A son is given? Why is this important and for them for the people the original audience this would have been okay what what is it's a foreshadowing of someone that is to come someone that's the seed of the promise that god gave to his people and that promise was that he would send someone that would be a savior in the midst of our and their oppression our and their oppression So as we read Isaiah 9, know that it is a prophecy. It is a foretelling of Jesus. It is a foretelling of a promised Messiah that is coming into the world that would be born of, as we just read in Luke, that would be born of the Virgin Mary, that would come from the line of David, that would be in Galilee, and that would save... World for all those who would believe. Isaiah 9. Let's read this together. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep, darkness on them has light shown you have multiplied the nation you have increased its joy they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of midian David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The main idea of the text this morning, kind of the thing that we want to look at is the overarching idea of these seven verses is this, that Jesus is the great light who brings joy to a dark and gloomy world. Jesus is the great light who brings joy to a dark and gloomy world. In this passage, we're going to look at four ways that Jesus has done this. We're going to walk through them pretty quickly. Four ways that Jesus has done this. Through Jesus, we who believe go from gloom to glory. Through Jesus, for those who believe, we go from gloom to glory. Look at verse, uh, chapter 1 and verse 9. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Well, what does that mean? Well, in order to know what that means, we have to know the context in which it was written. Actually, uh, we find out the context from Second Kings, which says this, In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, king of Assyria, came and he captured Elgeon, Elbeth, Makah, Genoa, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and he captured Galilee. All the land of Naphtali, and he carried the people captive to Assyria. So that's the background of the context of what Isaiah is writing to the people. There will be no gloom for her. Well, how, how can there be no gloom for her for those who are, in, who are, are taken into exile, who are taken as slaves and captives? Even as you look in verse 8, I mean chapter 8, verse 22, look what it says. They will look to the earth. That means they will look horizontally. They will look at all the things around them. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And then we get in verse 1 of chapter 9, but, but there will be no gloom of her who was in anguish. In the former time, He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. That's true. We just read it in Second Kings. But in the latter time, but in times to come, He has made glorious. So we we go from gloom, the gloom of persecution, the gloom of exile, the gloom of taking into slavery and captivity. But there will be a day where there's a glorious way. There will be a day when there will or glory will come into the world, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Well, if you just read, follow along on what we just read in 126, where did the angel appear to Mary? Galilee. You see the continuity of Scripture, that Galilee would be the place where, where, where Jesus would enter into the world, that he would be the one that would take us from gloom to glory. That Jesus would would take us out of our own captivity? It's not hard to look around and see that the world we live in is quite gloomy, is it not? And it's quite depraved. The people of God in Isaiah 9 were looking at the world to solve its problems. Does that sound familiar to you? And yet, there is nothing horizontally that you and I that can take us away and take us into glory. We must look up to heaven. We must think about the vertical relationship that we have with God and Christ Jesus who would take away our anguish and bring us into His glory. So Jesus, through Jesus we go from gloom to glory. The second thing that we do through Jesus is we go from darkness to light. We go from darkness to light. Look at verse 2. The people who walked in darkness, that's all the people that we see here in the last half of chapter 8, who were looking at the horizontal, looking at the world, they have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This idea of deep darkness is actually what's called the shadow of death. Where do you read about the shadow of death? In probably one of the psalms you may know, Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil. They didn't just walk through the valley of death. They were living in the midst of the valley of death. They were living in the midst of deep darkness. They were living in a world where they were looking around as captives with no hope. They had, they, they had no idea where to turn. In fact, they were just turning to each other. And it was leading to their destruction. And in the midst of this, this prophecy that we get from Isaiah is that a great light has shone into the midst of this darkness. And we see this in John chapter 1. It says this, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The light is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you are looking horizontally this evening at anything else that can give you hope in this world, I'm going to tell you it's going to fall short. The only light that there is for us is found in Christ Jesus that removes us from the darkness that actually takes us out of the shadow of death and into His glorious light. Because that's what happens. Look look at the end of chapter 8. They will be thrust into thick darkness. Those who rest in worldly things. Those who hope in worldly things. Your hope is going to fall flat as you will when you stand before Jesus, because you will be thrust into deep darkness. You will not come into His glorious light. And so we see this here, even in even in our foretelling of our prophecy in verse two, chapter nine. The third thing that we see, so we've seen um, we've, uh, that through Jesus uh, we go from gloom to glory. Through Jesus we go from darkness to light. The third thing we see is through Jesus our joy. Through him is increased our joy is increased. Look at verse three. Jesus, uh, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. The angel comes to Mary, and he tells her, "Do not fear." not fear, for there is great joy that has come into the world. And that great joy has come through Christ Jesus. And that we rejoice, that even they can rejoice that You have increased its joy. They rejoice with You as, as a joy at the harvest. So when they, when, they, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And those that departed quickly from the tomb, this was the apostles and and the women, Mary and Martha, uh, from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And they worship here and returned to Jerusalem with great joy after Jesus ascended to heaven, after coming into this world and leaving and going back and sitting at the right hand of the Father. All of these things happened with joy. He was celebrated when he came with great joy. He was celebrated when, uh, when He was with them, when He was risen from the grave with great joy, and He was celebrated when He ascended on high back into heaven with great what? Joy. This prophecy would come true because of the rejoicing of what Christ had done. He came into this world as, a, as an infant, as a baby, born in a manger in the middle of Bethlehem in a, in a stall, right? Right? In in humble grace, He was born and He lived a life, a perfect life, one that that you and I could never live. And then they crushed Him, they killed Him, they nailed Him to a cross. The Bible says that in so doing, that He'd take on the weight and the sin and the debt of all those who would believe. So He lived a, a perfect and beautiful and a life that we could never live. And He died a sacrificial, atoning death. One that we could never pay. A day pay a debt that we could never pay. Our heart is set with joy because of what Christ has done for us. Our joy is increased because of what we know about who Christ is. And the fourth thing we see from Isaiah is this. In Jesus, we place our hope and find our peace. In Jesus, we place our hope and we find our peace. Kind of four through the rest of the chapter, we'll see this. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. This is a reference back to Gideon and Judges where oppression was cast down. That there will be no more oppression. The yoke of his burden, the staff for his shoulder, the rod if his oppressor was broken. And then catch chapter 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumults, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. That means there will be no more war. There will be no more oppression. There will be no more war. Why? Because a child, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given government shall be upon His shoulder and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. Can you not wait for that day? No more oppression. No more war. No more hurting. No more suffering. No more trials. No more tribulation. Was Christ... Will take it all away. That the government will be on his shoulders. And it goes on to say it that he will bring it about from this time forth and forevermore. There will be a day. This is a this is a, a a promise for the here and now. Even though we see it in a in a in a mirror dimly lit in a in a, in a slight glimmer of hope and and peace that we have here on earth but we will see it in full reality when Jesus' second advent, when He comes back into this world. It's a hope and a peace in the here and now, but also a hope and a peace that will be found in eternity from this time forth and forevermore. We can rest in the wonderful Counselor who is all-wise. We can rest in the mighty God who is all-powerful. We can rest in the everlasting Father who cares and loves and protects us. And we can put our hope in the Prince of Peace. The One who brings about peace to the nations. To those who are in Christ. That's the promise we have from Luke 1. For all those who would hope in Him. Let me take you to, as I close, chapter 11 in Isaiah. If you want to turn there, you can, but I'll just read it there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse this is another prophecy by the way there's about 300 300 prophecies 320 prophecies from the old testament where jesus fulfilled perfectly the number for that is astronomical i won't even go into it but jesus fulfilled all 320 prophecies in and of himself this is another one a branch from his root shall bear fruit And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of His loins. This is who Jesus is. The Spirit of the Lord rests upon Him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. You see, whether I believe in UFOs or not has no real impact or bearing in my life currently or eternally. However, Believing in Jesus or not believing in Jesus impacts me in every way. How I live in the here and now and certainly where I spend eternity matters because of what I believe about Christ. So if you're a skeptic here this evening, if you're, if you're a critic of this most holy faith, I would just call you to turn away from your sin. That this evening that you would repent, that you would believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, for to us a child is born. A child that would take away the sins of the world. A child that if you believe in Him, that you will receive everlasting life. That you confess your sins, put your faith and trust in Him, that He is sure to save you. I'll end with this from 1 John 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. We say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness. We lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. We say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, who brings just joy in the midst of depraved and a gloomy world. Therefore to us the Son is given, a Son who takes away the sins of the world for all those who turn away from their sin and put their faith in Him. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your promise. Your promise that You would send a seed, a Savior that would come into the world. That would take us from the gloom and despair of this world into glory. One that would take us from darkness into His loving and everlasting light. One that would uh, increase our joy and give us hope and peace. And it is through Christ that we, that, we, that we receive this joy, that we receive uh, this hope and this peace everlasting to everlasting. Lord, would you, Your Spirit work in us. For those who here are critics and skeptics, that you, would, that you would transform their hearts to believe this. For those who here are saved, Lord, that You would allow this truth to be deepened in our lives and our souls. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen.